Welcome to House Comblood, where strangers are family. Every episode contains graphic content, including but not limited to copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, be they infants or immortals, fantasy drug use, nudity, mentions of sex, and sound effects of various qualities. We cannot stress enough that this is mature content with adult themes. You have been warned. I hope you're ready. Come blood. I'm Gray, your DM and host, and we're a D&D 5e podcast currently playing the venture hangman March of Storms. The story follows a group of people facing sentient calamity, threatening to destroy the world, led by a Genasi army called the Rebirth Bastion. In a nutshell, our party of former prisoners, once used for covert operations by uh, Giuliano's government, embarks on a journey. They confront an emotional vampire controlling a town of sham, which was made of a thinking slime mimic. After a fierce battle, they defeat the vampire, but not without consequence, like a curse from a hag. Having broken free from imprisonment, the group sets off, delivering cookies to a hag. However, one member is cursed to kill a living seal, leading them to a dungeon with a burial site for Tarrasque Skeleton. This uh, dungeon was created by an architect wizard turned elder brain. To break the curse, they agree to an unusual pact, trans- uh, transplanting the elder brain of a wizard into Tarrasque Skeleton. It's very easy to understand how we got to this point. I'm here with our players, Mega. Hello, I am Mega and I play Eddie, the Autotriton Bastard class. I also play Eddie, play other characters of a similar naming scheme because the DM loves me. Uh, not in the slightest. Um, also, we're joined here by Nita. Hi there, Nita here. I play Aaliyah Oblak, the human cleric sorcerer. As well as Rakuzin. Howdy everyone, I play Mavet, the wood golem monk smoky man now. And finally, Moomin. Hello! I'm the most hated person in the group for the fact I'm always on fire. I am a fire genasi alchemist that very much, well, shattered into a thousand pieces last session. Now I don't know anything going on. Well put. Alright. Because I gave us a little overview of what's going on, where we are at, I think I can sum it up fairly fucking quick. You guys went from uh, the hallway into uh, the main chamber of a greenhouse that was occupied by a male dryad guarding the entrance to the grave of ill omens. He tells you that you are not allowed access until you have the blessing of Melora, the queen of the Nistrat forest. You guys decide not to stir up any trouble going to the west. Eventually, you find yourself uh, inside of a chamber 
Uh, the chamber is a junction between two experimental rooms that uh, test extreme temperatures. It appears that Owen, the wizard, the owner of this dungeon, has been testing out these extreme temperatures onto animals to see if their skin and flesh could bear it. So he could uh, uh, make a meat suit for his Tarrasque. It was then that our good buddy, our lovely dear, good old Seer, tells Aluya to go into the room. She goes into the room, the door locks, and the oven starts to warm up. Eddie, connecting a few dots, attempts to save Aluya, trying to go past Seer. A PvP breaks out. Aluya manages to uh, teleport her way away from this uh, oven-filled room, uh, this hot room. And Eddie, it appears, uh, kills Seer, finishing on the note of uh, where is little dude? I feel like that covers everything thus far. So I would like to ask the party. Uh, specifically, my vet, because I'm going to bring your ass to this room quick, because I know you're away from this party. What do you all do? Play dead. Okay. Well, I should probably ask, is there any questions before we jump into roleplay? I feel like that's a better approach to this, because I know that was a lot of information there. Where's Perfect Cell? A lot of information. A lot of thing went, uh, things went around. What do you guys do? the very least, like uh, Eddie starts like uh, floating back to the ground. And uh, letting the uh, the the literal uh, smoke clear. <laughs> yeah, and as the smoke clears, you see uh, the animals in the cages for uh, the cold section. If they're all cowering away from you. They're at the edges of their uh, cages. I don't know, and it probably stirs up a couple feelings in you, just seeing this uh, look of fear. You feel like somewhere, sometime, so long ago... This, this kind of fear was shown to you. Can't quite place it. Like, uh, Eddie starts taking deep breaths. Chill. Be chill. Be chill. Hmm. I know we don't have a composure check, but I still want you to roll for something. Because this was a fairly extreme circumstance. And it, to be fair, uh, Eddie's been put in some very uh, strenuous circumstances before, but not killing a friend recently <laughs> um I, I i feel like uh for uh the, this kind of uh composure would you be willing to make me a wisdom saving throw for this or is there something better that you have in mind and just give me a sec yeah perfectly fine i would just see the otter taking large and deep breaths and i should specify the ashes of a seer scatter on the ground really does make a uh, bit of a mess. Somebody's got to clean me up. Eleven. Yeah, I I don't think that is enough to really keep uh, Eddie chill at the moment, especially after killing a friend. I I think it's the environment. This this room is no longer chill. You've definitely destroyed the integrity of this room. Uh, I think. What would ultimately end up happening is that uh, is that Eddie would probably to get out of this room would like start <laughs> like uh, moving his way south, but then like but then pauses like when he sees like people looking at him and like second feels a bit self conscious 
and uh, starts turning and going the other way. <laughs> yeah, it's like heart palpitations, a bit of sweaty fur. Uh, like your your fur is still coated with uh, ash. Eddie, where are you going? Because uh, Mavet was the first thing that you saw. Um, as you uh, walk away, what is Aluya and Mavet doing? Still unsure about what went down or if Angry Seer is still on the loose. She's in the corner, still invisible. But she knows that Eddie would be the one to see her. And Mavet, seeing Eddie, would start going towards him, asking him what happened. Yeah, but he does start to walk away. Eddie! <laughs> I can't, can't be can't be there. Need to chill. God, that, yeah, that sensation. Like, yeah, you probably just want to be left alone, but people aren't leaving you alone. It it really is affecting your vibe here. If you want, we can have a little bit of a scene with this mentor, buddy. We both know how this is going to play out. Like, uh, it, with your absolute control with movement, like, flavor this up for me, as there is a minotaur skeleton in your way. In which case, like, uh, like as Eddie is just, like, making his way, just, like, uh, smoky Eddie, like, uh, reading the anxiety in the room, just, like, uh, immediately, like, turns its eyes, like, uh, toward the, uh, the Minotaur skeleton, and uh, possibly before it could even, like, like raise an axe, suddenly there's just, like, a bunch of Eddie blasts just exuding out and, like, uh, tearing this... Uh, well, I guess not really tearing, but breaking the skeleton apart. <laughs> yeah, just like it starts like raising its, I'm going to call axe, and it's just like, uh, it's like, it, like it starts raising it, then like one of the Eddie blasts like literally like takes one of the arms out, <laughs> like it, like it, the forearm like just like falling to the ground, and it's like struggling to hold up the axe, but still trying to walk toward, and then oh, there goes the other arm, it's, uh, and then like this skeleton suddenly is like looking down at both of its now arm like both of its now like a uh, four armless arms and like maybe starts like you know, like lowering its head and that's when it's really made a mistake because that's when the rest of the blasts come in you know like and it's about to charge but then suddenly like the blast is like you know, like go back 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 all like slamming into this creature's head before it's finally pushed up against the wall on the opposite side of the room and completely obliterated to like bone fragments <laughs> give yourself 125 exp and only you specifically but uh mavet aluya it is very clear you guys see you, you see what happened from where i am in the corner uh, you could hear it <laughs> didn't hear the eddie blast you probably heard the uh the sound of like bones crashing against a wall somewhere yes Pickens, Pickens, what do you make of everything um yeah you see uh the bird gets to uh the junction of the room lo- looks forward uh north of the long ass hallway it goes up the stairs we see eddie at the very top of the stairs uh peckins is looking at his back then like uh he, he heard your no he didn't actually uh, Peckins doesn't know where the fuck you are because he wears earmuffs. He reads lips. Well, did I hear her? Can I make a perception check for that? Uh, per- yeah, per- uh, perception versus stealth. Peckins, why won't you answer to me at all? Uh, Muppet rolls a 12. Let me see the stealth check from uh, Aluya. Don't bother putting on a disadvantage. I don't believe it's a movement of your armor. 
This is just you speaking quietly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mavet, uh, 12 versus uh, 21 stealth. Uh, Mavet, you are clueless. In fact, I don't believe you... Uh, I, I think uh, w- with your uh, perception, uh, Aluya... Uh, just to explain where you were. Um, Aluya was trapped in the room. Uh, there was a PvP between uh, Seer and Eddie with uh, Peckins watching in the sidelines. Uh, so far, the only uh, people that you know are here are Peckins and Eddie, and Eddie is just walking away, like treating Aluya's situation like it was a lost cause. Because I, correct me if I'm wrong, Eddie, but I don't believe you ever like mentioned it out loud. I believe it was a, uh, a revelation that you kept to yourself because it was just you versus uh, Seer at the time. Am I correct with that notion? Uh, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't trying to let on to not Seer that they'd failed, because <laughs> otherwise they would have changed tactics. Yeah, Peckins behind you, who is clueless on what's going on, and Eddie storming off. What do you do? So, what room did they fight in? Uh, right, exactly where you are. It happened between those three rooms. So, if I see what happened and can kind of pick up details, because I don't see Seer anymore. I probably saw her go into this room. It, even with a 12 uh, perception check, uh, you do see the ashes on the floor and uh, the scattered remains of a cloth from uh, uh, touching the orb to your east. Uh, the orb of pure, uh, yeah, pure cold, like dry ice. In that case, I would slowly but tail and follow the eddy. Yeah. All the Eddie. Okay. Okay. Um, Aluya, what are you doing? Uh, you are left alone with Peckins. She's going to scoot up next to Peckins and reappear. Okay. Hey, buddy. What the hell? I was talking to you. <laughs> Just screams. <laughs> she scared the shit out of him. Listen, you're not going to tell me. I'm just going to figure it out by myself. So you appear in front of him. Uh, Peckins, reading your lips, uh, just goes... Uh, uh, Repeat after me, confused, and you fully appear. It's the other one. It was a uh, dumb bird. You don't scare me like that, you dumb bird. Well, I was talking to you and you said nothing, so here we are. I'm going. Ox's head. Mm. I think Pekins is left in the junction room for a moment. The scene swipe to Eddie. So, uh, Eddie, uh, you are on the... Uh, northwest section of this uh, dungeon. We see beyond the hallway, beyond the uh, alcove with the fountain of two frogs, uh, water trinkling into a uh, basin of water. Beyond uh, that alcove to uh, the west of this hallway, see an otter open the door. And what greets him is a library with uh, two tables uh, near the east of the room. And to the west, we see uh, rows upon rows of uh, bookshelves, a lot of reading material. In fact, you see uh, papers and books swirling around in the aisles of this uh, library. Uh, upon each of these tables, you do see a bunch of uh, miscellaneous uh, uh, items. Beyond uh, just books, you see uh, uh, quills, inkwells, uh, c- uh, candles, and uh, even 
a little uh, a desk, a little writing desk with a uh, open scroll with nothing written in it yet. You enter this room. What do you do? Well, probably immediately recognizing that he's arguably found the if or at least like uh, one of the most chill rooms <laughs> to possibly find himself in. It's, uh, it's like uh, immediately like starts going in, uh, uh, going in further. <laughs> mm. Yeah, a- as you uh, go in, we see that there is a magic sigil on the ground. Once your foot makes contact with this magic sigil, we see a pulse go through uh, the entire room. And for a moment, you think you see uh, fire, green fire, uh, will-o'-wisps, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, spectral entities. Then in response from the uh, northwest of this room, see an electrical shock counter your pulse as everything just disappears and the room seems as if it's normal even uh, the pages halt their flight it's like a, like it just pauses like you said the pages halt their flight uh pages and books like i mentioned before in between the alley uh the aisles there are books and pages swirling about once you uh, entered further in the room, it seems like that magic halted. And along, and I really need to specify this, it seemed like there were will-o'-wisps and uh, other types of uh, spectral entities that flickered for a moment before again being erased. It seems like a trap was activated and countered. I guess that would just be a, like, a, like that happened. It's like, there was probably like maybe an adrenaline spike followed by a bit of confusion. <laughs> Yeah, it is legitimately like a scene out of the poltergeist. It's just like a whole bunch of shit just flying about that stops. It doesn't take too much deductive reasoning to figure out what happened here. This is a uh, a library. It's very close to uh, where Owen, uh, Owen is. It seems like that was a man-made trap. It seems like he has control of this domain and uh, over... This uh, particular trap, it doesn't appear that he's forgotten about it. And since you made an alliance with a fucking elder brain, uh, whatever trap that was in here for intruders was uh, uh, deactivated. Like, uh, starts taking, like, a deep breath again as he starts, like, uh, wandering further into the room, just still trying to put some distance. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, probably tries to take a seat here. <laughs> You go to uh, the table on uh, the east side of the room, uh, most north, and we hear the chair squeak slightly. I kind of want to imagine, like, do you even pull the chair, or is it Eddie who's pulling it for you? Like, the the smoke pulls the chair, and then, like, uh, Eddie sits down. (laughs) Yeah, slumped. (laughs) Um, actually, uh, Seer, uh, I want you to uh, roll with me for a second. So, uh, Eddie, as you're sitting down, slumped over, you, you feel that tingle in your body. You hear that electricity from the north, that low buzzing sound. So I kind of want to imagine, like, as you're uh, uh, sitting down, we have a side profile of uh, Eddie just looking at the ground, at the stone. And as we're uh, staring at the uh, camera, or uh, at the side profile of Eddie, we see that the background is blurry and we see a flicker of red flame. As we like uh, see a vis- uh, visage of uh, of a seer in the background, 
And it doesn't appear like Echo Knight Eddie is reacting to the appearance. In fact, it's again like the static in the back of your in the back of your head. And I kind of want to imagine we see like a serious mouth uh, moving, but no words coming out. And then, like we have a, a frontal camera shot of uh, Eddie as behind him, another seer is just bouncing her head back and forth, back and forth. And then another one and another one. Each one filling up a chair around you, uh, saying different things to you. Uh, Moo, what would be the kind of things that would be uh, coming out of Seer's mouth as Eddie's reflecting here? Well, one thing Eddie already knows is that Seer doesn't really insult people. Seer doesn't really badmouth things. Seer just very much says what they feel. They're very honest and very direct. And the thing that makes Eddie a little bit, you know, thinking about Seer is the fact that what was Seer's goals? Why was Seer trying so hard? Because the big thing that I think Eddie blatantly would notice is that Seer really went against the line of her people in a sense that almost every single kind of person that she found that was like her, she adamantly denied. All because of her goal. So very much the first voice by them would be like, one day I will find that cure to resolve all the things. Make it so that my people can be finally be a part of the groups, be a part of everywhere as long as I'm alive. That one has a yellow flame. It's not a pure red flame. That one just woof yellow. What does the next one say? And then they kind of will jump to the next one where very much it just goes, you know, I'm very used to being hated, treated like the worst thing imaginable. But often it's nice to feel about people like me, or at least tolerate me. Often enough, I'm tired of being shot to be murdered. Woof. Blue. And then probably the next voice that Eddie might see that kind of pops up would be kind of just standing before, I would say, in a more of a fury as they just kind of stare off and being like, I will not take the path of death. I will take the path of righteousness. I will heal the land. I am a person that heals with their hands, not murder. Woof, white. What does the last one say? This one is maybe something that Eddie might not be familiar with. Let's put it this way. Even though Eddie acts very, like, chill, the one thing I could say with confidence is that Eddie very much can read people. Extremely so. Even things that maybe the person might not know about themselves. They, they're they really good at understanding how people tick. And this last one surprises Eddie themselves. Is they very much go like, I very much don't know who I am. I very much try to do the things I need to make the world better. And yet, I feel like that's not the real thing I want to do. It's just a dim black. There's no powerful uh, shift. In fact, it's like the last one is dying. And uh, each one of these seers maintain that kind of uh, personality, that kind of train of thought, that kind of continuity. Um, Eddie, these voices are just going on in your head. These uh, uh, reflections. 
I, I need to ask, how are you feeling? How does Eddie react to this? How does Echo Knight Eddie react to this? I would say Eddie is feeling, especially like being like a, because I first off he like went into this room to chill about the exact situation that happened like not even minutes ago. So, and now he's like a, literally surrounded by a reminder of what he just did. <laughs> Like, uh, and he's feeling like uh, so much guilt, especially since he's now what I can best describe is like, you know, like feeling slash seeing slash hearing the innermost most thoughts and aspects of somebody that he considered a friend that he has no idea where they are, if they are even anywhere, if they are just gone. Like uh, he is starting to feel stressed. It's like probably even like a like even just like a reaching for like uh, his uh, reaching for his like a uh, vape pen and trying his best to try to see if he can uh, calm himself down. Okay, go for your vape pen. Echo Knight Eddie cocks his head, and I think again he he's not seeing what you you're seeing at this moment. He's not hearing what you're hearing, but you see him just cloaking around you, going around you, trying to assess the damage. Just uh, taking a taking a deep breath. Like deep inhale. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first deep inhale. <sighs> One, two, three, four, five, and the first here disappears. The one made of yellow. <sighs> you keep breathing, trying to relax. Just uh, seeing one disappear, just like uh, like. Well, this seems like a solution. <laughs> As he takes another inhale. <laughs> Yeah, taking a breath. <sighs> the one behind you, blue seer, disappears. Makes a third one. The seer made a pure white, disappears. Finally, there's just the one in all black, a smoldering ember that's just counter to you. Um, I, I think for this one particular, Moo, it, what does she say? The final thing they'll say... That might hit Eddie a little bit harder to go like, even I don't know what I want, or even if I remember clearly. Maybe. Maybe there's a chance that I'll find it. Maybe not a high one. But I think whatever forces I find might help me. And I don't mean to put words into your mouths here, but I would like to add one tiny thing at the at the end of that, considering the, the avenue you took with this one in particular. But in the end, one miss me, plenty one. Remember me. Well, actually, I was about to end with that. <laughs> you no read shit. my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder there. <laughs> no, you're good. I was kind of laughing. Go like, oh, cool. Well, at least Gray and I are on the same wavelength. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you may say it for me. <laughs> Ultimately, they would basically be like, it's like that brimmer of hope that you hear them say that. And then it kind of just dims finally as they just simply go like, very unlikely since... Like many of my people, like many of the things I existed in, and many of the things I've encountered, they tend to get forgotten. Excellent. And Seer disappears if Eddie takes that long breath. Like, I think he pauses on that last one before. Like, I, I think he starts like uh, crying a little bit and just says, I'm sorry, little dude. And he then he takes that last inhale. <laughs> She's gone. And it's that sense of deja vu, Eddie. 
you've never felt this motion before you've never been in this position before but it feels like you had multiple times you filed it all away is there any finishing notes that you'd like to have on the seti before the rest of the party joins you in this library i think it's like it's kind of like a gripping his chest a bit and just like a whispers I think yeah like whispers under his breath uh why does it hurt so much pretty good uh give yourself uh both of you uh give yourself 50 exp for that that was pretty good uh hallelujah my bad time's caught up um i kind of wanna imagine uh mabet if you don't mind that you were slow with the the walk up and aluya showed herself uh what 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 was happening out here like did aluya just brush past mabet like what what was happening excuse me mabet way to show up now but all right let me pass thank you yeah uh mabet what do you do so seeing how she talks to me I would just scoff at her and like make a very course typical of your kind. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, keep in mind your indefinite insanity. I hope that you wrote down. I'm still insane. Yeah, what was your insanity once more? Remind the remind the audience. Indefinite insanity. Well, I'm sure you already looked at it. That's how you're RPing, right? Because you had it in the back of your head when you're doing this. <laughs> She just ignores what he says and just moves out. Yeah, Autobots move out. You, you start going north, north, north. You uh, reach the uh, secret room that uh, Mavet discovered oh so long ago. And you hear the buzzing of electricity. Do you enter? Yeah, it might. The door is here behind me? Uh, to the north. It is straight north. Uh, I. Th- it looks like a wall. Just uh, because it's a secret. Like, you can keep going north and north. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, let's say, going from the end of the carpet to the stone would bring you to the new room, if you so desire. Yeah, you walk into there. You hear that buzzing of electricity. It's oh so loud. And you see implements on a table. It looks like embalming equipment. As the first thing that greets your eyes. A, uh, a crescent... Uh, shaped table to uh, the straight north you see a shelf filled with uh, tools such as uh, axes uh, drills uh, shear cutters hammers all sorts of equipment to your left you see four sarcophagi black stone connected by a brass tube in the center of the room with a current of visible electricity connecting all of them it looks extremely dangerous, but you see that current going here and there. What do you do, Luya? I have no interest in this. I just want to know where Eddie is. Yeah, uh, Eddie is uh, to uh, the west, but uh, just to quickly uh, fill in the gaps there, uh, Owen did mention something was keeping him alive. But yes, the door to uh, the west would lead you to Eddie. I said she wouldn't have put that together. Okay, that's perfectly fine. Then for the audience, there there's a full-on fucking room with four sarcophagi. But synchronizing our times here, uh, you both uh, both walk in, clear as day, you see Eddie on the chair. You guys do. Eddie, are you alright? Where is Seer? Uh, like, uh, Eddie starts at that mention, just like starts gripping his chest again. <laughs> are you in pain? 
do you need me to heal you? I think Eddie at that moment, seeing that Eddie got hurt, is interposing himself between Aluya and Eddie. So we see the smoke flicker as it moves in between you two. Smoky Eddie, I just want to check on Eddie. Do you mind? Are you alright, Eddie? Also, again, where is Seer? What happened to her? Was she, like, possessed? Where'd she go? Uh, like, he, again, at the mention, just, like, asking that same that same question. <laughs> just, like, uh, like, starts gripping his chest tighter. Yeah. Like, trying to relax, but just can't. Nope. Mother, did you see anything? I'm guessing the hero here killed the stupid sap sipper. <laughs> Pardon? What happened? What? What? And why did you say it like that? Oh, yeah, but you're allowed to just put, move me out of the way with being all crazy, trying to get all fast to here. You know there was a door right next to us. Uh, slow your roll, homie. Uh, you want to talk your crap right now, but you didn't do shit for I don't know how long. You kind of were, like, staring blankly at the wall. I mean, we really could have used your help with, like, the pre-plant man, and you said nothing. And then stuff went off with Seer, and you still did nothing. So shush, something is happening. Mm. Smoky Eddie, to where Seer is, or what? Sorry, I was waiting to see if like uh, Mavet had like a response to that, or. Uh, I, I did. I just had had a sneezing fit. <laughs> what? I actually want to hear the response, Mavet. No, she just pushed you aside, making you feel insignificant. Oh, so you you tell me to slow my roll. Meanwhile, you know, Eddie's over here just slaying our friends right in front of everyone. You don't stop it. Why do you keep saying he's slaying our friends? Do you see his fur? It's covered in her ash. I mean, he could have been hit by a fireball or something. I, Eddie, right? This very interesting line of conversation, like uh, Eddie just starts crying. (laughs) Oh, see, now there you go. Making him cry. Typical sap sipper. Like, even looking down at your vape pen is covered in soot. No, that did not happen. No, no. Uh, Why don't you ask the big old hero himself? I need you to shut the fuck up. That's what I need you to do. (laughs) Why don't you make me? Maybe you're the other one. Other one what, man? You're, like, losing me here. I've seen how you all have been looking at me. I figured it was just Seer. Are you on her side, too? Look, why don't you go stare at the mirror or something some more and let me deal with this? Just make it stop. Well, like how you make made away. how you made Sears' heart stop. Um, just like at uh, the grade, the DM, just like Eddie, doesn't know how to interpret that order. <laughs> uh, what books are on this shelf right north of me? Uh, I'll explain in a second. I want to see this re- a resolution first. Eddie, how does Eddie interpret that order? Like, uh, I, I think like maybe, uh, maybe Eddie, like in the middle of just like, uh, like, uh, just like, uh, like stop, make it all stop, make it stop hurting. So it's true. She's gone. I, I think, uh, I haven't said it before. I'm going to clarify it right now. Oh no, Nita, your ass is staying right in this room for this. <laughs> so again, as 
you, you hear him just say, let us stop, let us stop. We hear the bickering between Aluya and uh, Mavet. It's getting to the point where Mavet is going to the bookshelf, grabbing a book. Uh, it looks like a seer is about to do something herself. And like in between this turmoil, this, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, this eddy of a situation, we, we, we just see him looking down, hands on the head, and Echo Knight Eddie formed as a shadowy reflection of this otter takes on the form this otter is standing before eddie and i think just like before see eddie coming up close closer and closer if memory serves me right last time we did this it was flavored like an inhale correct uh yes and i believe the only time we did uh, a, a check or a saving throw was you deciding to do this. Am I correct with that as well? You're thinking back for a moment. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think because of, uh, of uh, how, I think because of like, because uh, I think ultimately it would boil down to like uh, the nature of the relationship ultimately decided whether there was a save or not. Uh, I'll leave it up to your uh, discretion with this. If you would like to make a, a save or a skill check considering the person in question. Mm. I think there would be a save, but I think also the line of uh, uh, of the conversation around him would probably have like a, turned it into a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, but I would like to raise the stakes with this one. We, we got a, a web of lives, uh, web of lies going on right now. Uh, there, there's a lot of things tangled up. I'm going to say, if you, if you succeed, things are going to start falling apart. You are going to start remembering things that you really shouldn't remember. But yes, we'll make this save at disadvantage. And I believe last time it was a, a wisdom saving throw, or was, uh, or did we uh, do intelligence? Um, I think it was. Oh, I think it was wisdom. That's why I thought as well. Uh, wisdom saving throw at disadvantage. And let's keep things nice and simple, considering the circumstances and the environment around you. Um, I, I, I originally wanted it to be like a, a 15, but I'm thinking with how close you uh, were to uh, the, this person, that it's a bit discouraging to want this to happen. So I think I might drop it by one, say DC 14. Like that's a nice, safe one with a disadvantage. Does that sound appropriate to you? Would you like to raise it higher, bring it lower? I got No, that's fine. Okay. I'll be your benchmark here. So wisdom saving throw, disadvantage. Wow. All right. Um, how does this house of cards fall, Hetty? <laughs> you have the floor. Jesus Christ. I was not expecting to make this safe, <laughs> honestly. Be before you get too into detail, I really do want to set up the scene here. Um, Mavet, Aluya, for uh, the the favor of roleplay, how do you guys escalate the situation? How is the environment uh, getting really haywire? How is your argument becoming more serious? I wouldn't escalate it. It's not an issue for me. It's I want my answers of where is Seer? What's going on with Eddie? He just needs to stay silent. Okay. Then I guess I'll leave it towards Mavet. Uh how how would you aggravate the situation? 
Um, so what book do I find? Okay. Um, we'll say like this is a wizard's uh, library. Um, and this one in particular should just have a uh, general uh, researching uh, studies. So I think this one in particular is, uh, yeah, on duplicity. Um, it's all about uh, magic and conjuration. On yeah, conjuration mixed with transmutation about duplicity, uh, mirroring yourself, becoming something more or becoming something less, tricking people. Above table, that actually sounds like a pretty good book to read. Yeah, Mavet's going to take that book and go straight to the nearest wallfire cone and set it on fire. Yeah, it. I think to uh, the south. Right here. So we have uh, Aluya to uh, the north, uh, Avet to the south, burning book in hand. Uh, what? Give me one more action here. Like, Aluya, you're seeing that he's uh, starting a, a fire with this uh, book. Mavet, uh, what are you doing here? You want to know what happened to Seer? I take the book, I burn it, and uh, as it turns to ash, I start covering myself. Like, see? This is what happened. Yeah, there we go. That that's it, Eddie. That that that's the scene before you. That that's what triggers you. That's what makes this house uh, house of cards fall. Is just seeing someone aggravate, uh, like uh, uh, basically poking and prodding at you, and literally making a mockery of your uh, friend's death. Here, you have the floor. What do you do, Eddie? Explain the process and how this all falls apart. Like there is a part of Eddie's mind that, you know, like is like starting to, you know, like a fog over just like so many times before, like the visage or like the literal flame of seer, like, you know, like a trying to be covered up, but, but it's almost as though it's like, it's too poor now. It's like, uh, to the degree that that flame, like the smoke tries to smother it out, but the flame like starts to brighten and then it starts getting brighter and brighter. And suddenly like this smoke starts being cleared away by the light of this flame that, uh, that Eddie has associated with Seer. And suddenly the various corners of his mind start becoming brightened and cleared but it is not you know like a a peaceful clear as as the smoke clears like eddie is confronted with a number of faces or more accurately the faces that he saw of them last it's like and the smoke is like clearing a bunch of the ugliest parts of his mind that had been covered up up until this moment so like uh but then probably the face that gets to him the most is the one of a sea elf boy just moments before he was gone going up his like his own words in his mind i'm sorry uh, it's like uh cutting back to eddie in the the actual library it's like a it's like a he suddenly like stops what oh that that can't be right I I think uh, Echo Knight Eddie, its yellow gleaming eyes 
burn brighter and we see the bookshelf uh, to its uh, left to the west side of this room begin to scatter the books from uh, the pressure, the uh, uh, difference in air, the sudden uh, burst as it attempts to fix you. It's trying uh, better, like a medic with a dying patient. And you see it shaking its head, and it is trying to grab at you. I I did that? Shaking its head, shaking its head, shaking its head. Why did I do it? I know why I did it. How long, Eddie? He actually like gets up from his chair and starts looking at him. How long? The, the nose, the mouth, the ears, it tries to enter you, and it bounces off. It keeps trying and trying and trying and trying and stops. Won't even look at you. Its eyes is at the table, avoiding your gaze. Get me, Eddie. More than just my bra. Basically, my brother. There's so much of me that just... Kind of want to imagine. Much like uh, the scene with Seer, we see, like, uh, multiple Eddies begin to form. Unlike Seer, it's not creating new words. It's not. It's not going on uh, new ideas. It's it's repeating the same phrase. We see a another Echo Knight Eddie behind Eddie, glowing yellow eyes, as it just says in Eddie's voice, "The Otter Eddie." It could go away, and then another one in the chair across from it on the table. Eddie, make it stop. And then another one appears on another open chair. Eddie, make it go away. And then another Eddie forms. Eddie, make it stop. Again, it looks like uh, your main Echo Knight Eddie, the one that you're talking to, looking at, is shaking its head, wiping its hand away. And we see one after another, it's trying to smolder these uh, resurfacing thoughts, these reflections, these buried secrets. It's trying to smolder it away, do damage control. It is trying its best to mute the symphony. I think, I think actually in this moment, Eddie reaches some clarity and a, a bit gently, like, you know, like putting his hand on the shoulder of Smokey Eddie. It makes eye contact with you. It's like staring at the abyss. It's no longer a comfortable darkness. It is more of, yeah, it is the fear of the unknown. See deep within, and it stares back. Like uh, Eddie says, okay. Think I understand. Yeah, I was gonna say, as you say, I understand. Like the books near you begin to turn to ash as they unintentionally get burned from Eddie. Go on. You were just doing what you always did, protecting me, right? We see a side profile of this otter having the hand on the Echo Knight otter. We're seeing it from uh, the perspective of uh, the Isle. And I think we're focused on even more books as they begin to dissolve into ash as this radius is expanding. struggling to look at you. It's maintaining eye contact, but it wants to look away. There are some things that I need to deal with myself, okay? Eddie never fails. 
He never fails. And it's just becoming hotter in here. Seeing the smoke begin to kick up, it is not from the body of Echo Knight Eddie. It is from all the books that are beginning to be pushed away and burned and kicked up into the room. It is getting harder and harder to see, to breathe. It is uncomfortable. It is painful. And most of all, just feel that deep-set emotion, that mix of disappointment and hatred. It's not directed at you. It's directed at itself for its inability to fix you. Uh, like, I think at this moment, like, you know, Eddie actually takes his hand off the shoulder and instead wraps his arms around Eddie. It's okay. You can stop. It's just... Yeah. Uh, Luya. Uh, Mavet, make me a dexterity saving throw. Mavet with 14. It is like white noise, Eddie. It It's hard to hear anyone, anything besides pure, unadulterated silence. The ringing of your ears. And you hear through that static a heartbeat. Bum, 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 bum. And with each beat of that heart, you swear to God... It's your own rhythm. It's your own heartbeat. It is you being scared, but standing up for what you truly believe, trying to chill, to cool down. And with each heartbeat, you see an explosion reflect off in this room from Echo Knight Eddie, receiving your heartbeat and just, just exploding. Each and every time we see books and pages fly, we see ash scatter about. And again, just like before, deep breaths, Eddie. <sighs> bum, 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 bum. Explosions get smaller and smaller. <sighs> bum, 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 bum. Until there is no ash left, no books nearby that it can burn. It's done. It failed, and it can't bear to look at you. But your heartbeat, it is its lifeline. It sees that you're okay, and it stops. Um, If I may, Eddie, and, and you can stop me with this. I kind of want to imagine, for now, after what you've done, we see Eddie dissipate. Is that all right to say? Uh, I would say... You can stop me if it's a step too far. I would say, like... It would probably make sense for Smokey Eddie to want to go someplace else and reflect. <laughs> yeah, and I think much like Eddie, Eddie needs alone time and needs to chill. Can we see Eddie disappear? I'm going to take him off the board. Okay, we're uh, done with that. Uh, Aluya, Mavet, bullet time's over. There is a mess of a room. There's a shit ton of ash. A lot of the books got burnt. And uh, what does uh, Eddie look like at the moment? How's he standing? What's his overall attitude? So, well, he's obviously covered in ash right now. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, uh, but like, you know, like as the smoky Eddie that he was hugging, like, you know, like uh, dissipated and he starts to like compose himself, like maybe even, uh, fix his hair a bit <laughs> like you know, like a like you know, like a running his hands through he takes a deep breath 
let's deal with this. Uh, and he starts uh, walking over to Mavet. <laughs> okay. Mavet, uh, Eddie is walking towards you. Aluya, you are seeing Eddie walk away. I want to hear both your reactions as he begins his gait. I feel like she he would go to say something, but we'll, we'll close up. You know, everything is like working in her mind slower than other people, but it's getting there about what's happening and she's trying to process it herself and she understands that Oh, uh, oh, oh, Eddie is kind of in it and working through it too on, on a higher level. Yeah, it like the first thing that comes to your mind is a literal battle with your demons. That is uh, qu- uh, quite fitting what just unfolded before you. Now, granted, you can't catch all the nuances, but you got the general gist. Um, just to explain the dexterity saving throw, that was just from the force alone uh, pushing you away. But you stood your ground. Mavet, you see an otter coming towards you, and he seems different. Mavet is lost in thought, rubbing the ashes all into his skin. <laughs> Eddie, what do you do? You see this person essentially mocking you. Eddie is going to walk over, and mostly because due to the unique circumstances of their relationship, yep. Eddie is going to walk over to Mavet, and he is going to put a hand to Mavet's head. Mm. Now, like uh, I'm going to ask this. Like, does Eddie feel connected? Did Did you guys uh, share mushrooms before? Uh, just out of curiosity. Uh, he was the one person who didn't partake in mushrooms. But most notably, though, the reason why I asked this is because their connection is fundamentally different. Yes. Um. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. Um. And uh, excuse me, Mavet, for speaking into you. Uh, speaking before you, but. Uh, I see what he's laying down here uh, with, with uh, the connection to Eddie. Uh, strangely enough, uh, Eddie, there is no connection. He is not a part of your nexus. Uh, Eddie is going to take a deep breath and sigh, which is a, a sigh of mixed emotions. I bet you still being weird, rubbing in ash as a person touches your head. Are you here to help? Uh, around the back. Uh, Eddie is just going to like uh, close his eyes, take one more deep breath, open them, like before saying, "You have exactly six seconds to disappear before I completely obliterate you." Let me get that timer up. All right, Mavet, I'm uh, gauging it by how you speak, and I will tell you when six seconds are done. Okay, let me get some thought into this. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. This is bullet time. I'm not going to judge this by you picking your words carefully. What are you going to do? Put me in your vape pen like you did Seer and smoke me? Three seconds. Would that get you the high you're chasing? Or was she not enough for you? Five seconds. I'd like to see you try. Six. Now the real question is, like, uh, does Eddie still have uh, access to his abilities? <laughs> um, God, that's a real tough one. Would you like to leave it up to a uh, a little flat roll? No uh, modifiers? Or uh, would you prefer like a a little bit more thought than chance? So I I have, I want to put an input on this because if this is going to happen, like what happened with Seer, I want to give Eddie the advantage if this would work with his lore of the Nexus. He can end me if he's, I would assume if he steals my smoke back, which is rebirthed me. 
is he like a I believe Eddie has already figured something out and that's not a factor. Uh, but, uh, but I would think that I would say that at the very least, uh, I think the one that would make the most sense is that he doesn't have access to his Echo Knight abilities. Yeah. It's like, a, but he still has like an inherent, uh, an inherent power that's still designed to protect him. Mm. It's just like now Eddie is going to be taking a more direct approach. Okay. When I say direct, I mean that uh, he's less passive. Yes. Um, if I may, I'm going to establish a couple things here. Um, I, I don't want to uh, spend the rest of the session in a, uh, a PvP manner. So uh, I would like I would like for like a, uh, a, a quick back and forth here. I trust the both of you to make this entertaining and uh, visually interesting. All right. So just to uh, explain to the audience what's going on here. Uh, we're going to have a sequence of seven, uh, uh, rolls, uh, buildy score rolls, I should say, or buildy checks. And so far the modifier for Eddie's end is plus five and plus three for a total of plus eight to his rolls bonuses alone from using uh, fog cloud to set up the environment and using shield consistently throughout the challenge for my vet. Being in the fog cloud, he's going to have a minus five penalties uh, to his rolls. As the current static will adjust things on the fly as things uh, progress here. Now, we ironed out a lot of the details here, but let's hear how this uh, combat starts. I want a charisma roll from uh, Eddie, and I want a wisdom roll from Mavet. Actually, like a, sorry, like a one thing to, for clarity. Uh, I, it's a, it's like a, it's a plus eight for each roll, regardless, or is it like, um, uh, or is it plus five at first? And if I decide to add plus three, yes, uh, we'll go with that because it is a reactive spell. So plus five for your rolls, you can add the plus three as you see fit because that's how shield would work in combat, regardless. And so we're you doing got that. ability checks, not saving throws. Ability checks, yes. Mm-hmm. So just keep your mouse hovered over your score, and we'll keep things going here. It's 11 for the first roll from uh, Mavet. Uh, hang on. We need to take that penalty out. Um, that would be uh, 10. 10 no, versus... A six. A, what was that? It would be a 6 versus 23. Oh, no, I already added the plus 5 to it. Because uh, remember, you can you can add the modifier like before you click the button. But I, I see where you're talking about, Mavet. Um, yes. Uh, because of that, it would be 6. Um... For uh, years, Eddie, that is a straight-out fucking 17. Uh, let me hear the blow-by-blow uh, blow here. Uh, Eddie, you're on the offensive. What do you do to Mavet? This is like, again, as the smoke like starts to envelop the room, it's like, uh, funny enough, I think like the first thing that Eddie makes sure to do, and probably this is why he like uh, somewhat gets the drop, is that he moves way more quickly than... Like, uh, he has arguably in the entire, like, uh, in the entire campaign that anyone's ever seen him as he immediately, like, uh, closes the door, uh, it's like, a like, a near to Mavet. It's like, uh, uh, before then, like, uh, almost like it in the, in the same fluid motion, uh, like, uh, like, uh, hurling a bunch of, like, uh, like Eddie blasts, like, uh, uh, Mavet away from the door. 
there's just like a like a one two like run to the door slam it and then suddenly there's like a, a huge like a, a smoky blast coming up mob that like pushing them further down the aisles in the uh in the library okay let's assume both hit and uh that'd be at what 20 feet back uh, yeah he's like uh, standing by that door and uh uh actually i think he would specifically stand here you know, like just to like uh, get a like a, a good sense if like Mavet starts to approach again. Okay, so just to explain the visual here, uh, Eddie is uh, to the south of uh, the first table and five feet away from the door, and Mavet got blasted down an aisle uh, of the library. We see books crumbling upon him. Uh, Mavet, uh, what was your what was your flavor for that exchange? Be a little wild, be a little crazy. Oh, I love to see. Eddie thinking he's got the upper hand. Um, I take the hits with stride as I'm <laughs> laughing. Uh, I can't see where he's coming from, but I have a general idea because of the way I was pushed. And I know how he has used this before. So even though I lost my old self of being angry all the time, you see more like if I could bring it to fourth wall breaking kind of like um ultra ego form mavet starts to try to emulate okay yeah we see you uh, begin to stand up uh, do your astral arms come out that they do and as they come out they do a large stretch and then cross all four arms um what, what's the usual flavor for your arms uh, they come out smoky no they don't they look like glass all right. The uh, first exchange is uh, over, and we're moving on to the second one. Uh, Eddie has one for uh, this one. Let's see the next roll, boys. Uh, tell me uh, what you guys get. I'm just typing in something here. Eddie won the next one. Uh, what was the difference? Or I shouldn't say difference. Uh, what was each person's score? Like Eddie has a total of 13. Uh, that has a 2. Jesus, my man. All right. Yeah. My vet has a uh, two. Again, let's uh, see the exchange this time. Uh, let's uh, make things interesting. With each uh, little exchange, uh, something changes. Something drastic happens. Eddie, I want to see these bookshelves fall. What happens? Oh, don't worry. It's like, uh, that's ex- actually what I was going to have fun with over here. It's like, uh, as now, as now, like, uh, since, you know, like, uh, my vet seems to be, like, uh, distracted. It's like, uh, about by where he probably is. Uh, Eddie has like uh, started like moving over and like you know like and like uh, immediately starts like uh, like a like a running down like this other aisle and like you know like as he like uh, uh, like as he starts like uh, like like going further down the the adjacent aisle just like uh, the minute that uh, he is able to like uh, sense Mavet just like uh, he immediately uh, like uh, lets out a particularly like a uh, more powerful incinerating blast as he uses firebolt and like uh begins to like a uh, set flame to like a uh, uh this particular like a uh, bookshelf and then knocks it over <laughs> like uh, on top of mavet so that essentially a burning bookcase has fallen on top of him <laughs> mavet a burning bookcase falls on you uh give me your flavor as it crashes down on my hand the glass arms try to block it but some of the books fall onto my face as my other arms go to cover it and I get all mismatched and 
all the fiery books are falling on my face and I just start punching the bookshelf so it doesn't knock me prone. So uh, I kind of want to imagine like an ash falling onto your uh, face from uh, the bur- uh, the instant eradication of these books. But yes, we see like uh, a bunch of uh, punches coming out from these glass arms as we see books begin to fly like fireworks. Yeah, because they're on fire. And wood shrapnel begins to burst and get destroyed. Let's see the third check, boys. Is that of uh, five victories to win, seven uh, uh, sequence rolls? So I, I had a, I had a question, because Eddie, my idea was to either lower one of my negatives or boost or lower one of his positives by using a spell since he used the spell. Okay, what would you like to do? Uh, keep in mind, uh, like read the spell descriptions. Make sure that you don't require yourself to see a target. Is that the important line of text? It's entangled. It's on a 20-foot area to try to restrain. Okay. All right. right. Then uh, Eddie would actually be able to, like, uh, counter that. Okay. What would be the counter? uh, He would be using Misty Step. (laughs) Okay. Misty Step. Got you. So that's, uh, yeah, it brings us back to a score one. Both of you spend spell slots. Let me see that roll. And that's good. I want you guys to keep doing shit like that. Both of you take off one spell slot. Uh, readjust yourself where you see fit. And let's see the next rolls. Uh, Eddie's is 14. My vet is, holy shit. Nat 20. Nat 20. Yep. Straight roll. Okay. We see a shift in the battle. Um, this time, my vet. Uh, you do then tangle uh, Eddie uh, Misty Steps. Um, I, before you actually go on, I think Eddie's position in this case is important. Uh, where would you actually misty step? I think he would probably have uh, misty stepped. Uh, uh, makes most sense to like a uh, misty step over here, <laughs> uh, over like on the other side of uh, of Mavet in the uh, the bookcase situation. Yeah, just to clarify for the audience, uh, there was a bookshelf uh, separating Eddie and Mavet, and Eddie is now on the same aisle as Mavet to his left, to the west of the map. All right, we know where your position is now, Mavet. Uh, Keeping in mind that you're blinded, the smoke is thick, you're having trouble seeing where Eddie is, uh, flavor this up for me. Do something wild, something crazy. Uh, how are you trying to get the upper hand here? Having my extra pair of arms, Mavet and his crazy face is flailing all about, like a raging from like a Mortal Kombat Goron. All his arms flailing, flailing and about. So I feel with this success on my part, I was able to one of them happened to make contact with something that budged and then it just stands still like a bookshelf. Yep. So, I feel that's Eddie. As a big grin goes over Mavet's face. Okay. First one to five. We got two for uh, Eddie, one for Mavet. Let's see uh, the next uh, uh, pair of rolls. Um, you know what? Before I even start asking for rolls, I should probably start, like, uh, asking before the roll. Uh, again, don't... Uh, guys, just don't go fucking crazy with it. Don't go over all your fucking actions. One thing. What, what is, uh, or either one of you doing one thing 
to try to uh, uh, tilt things into your favor, uh, doing something uh, different, consuming resources. That's the important part for me. Are either one of you consuming resources before this roll? So, I don't think on this particular roll. My bad. On this particular roll. Okay, so I'm here to know from both ends. All right, Eddie, uh, ability check, my bet, ability check, let's see it. Charisma versus wisdom. Okay. Ma- uh, no, that's, uh, okay. Yeah, 14, thank you. Wow. 14, um, yeah, that'd be a tie. And, um, then, assume, and then Eddie yeah. would boost it. <laughs> okay, boosting it with shield. Okay, uh, let's hear uh, the play-by-play. Um, if you don't mind, Eddie, I actually want to see how Ma Bet's getting, uh, getting the advantage on this and how you shift things into your favor. So, Ma Bet, how are you pressing the assault? Yeah, how are you pressing the assault, Ma Bet? So, feeling that I feel like I made contact with Eddie, I take my other astral arm and try to swing it to make contact with my original one that hit Eddie. Yep. Okay. So essentially you were just like uh, really going ham on it, like uh, much like a uh, MMA fighter who's got someone like uh, prone on the ground, swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yep. Okay. So Eddie, you, you just have this constant assault left, right, left, right, left, right. What are you doing to shift things in your favor here? Uh, I think in uh, in this moment and like uh, how I'm going to be incorporating the shield in this case uh, is that like uh, Eddie is actually able to use the smoke in the environment to create well not create but basically like like a mold it together into something like a vaguely Eddie shaped and like a, like a once again like a like using misdirection to like a, so like now Malbet is now pounding on this solid question mark. Uh, like smoke Eddie while he like uh, diverts from behind and then like uh, again just like uh, like a uh, blast him from behind to like you know like bash him against like uh, the wall on the other side of the of the library the western side. That is three victories to Eddie, one to Mavet. Again, we're two away from Eddie succeeding. There could be a second wind here, or quite literally from Eddie using second wind. That aside, are either one that of would you would be a funny joke. But- <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> so, are right, either one of you uh, using up resources before we make a roll? Uh, uh, I actually think in uh, in this case to make things like uh, make things harder. Uh, it's like a like a Eddie, like you know, like uh, would actually kind of like uh, wait, like uh, not wait. Yeah, actually, yeah. Since we're not like really following like actual like uh, like uh, combat rules here, uh, it's like uh, Eddie is actually going to uh, provide himself with the benefits of sanctuary. <laughs> okay, it's uh, perfectly fine. Uh, and essentially, kind of like wait him out, and then like uh, I'll, I'll explain how that works out. Like depending on like uh, how the roll results, but like that's what he's going to be using. <laughs> okay, uh, Mavet, what would you uh, would you be using a resources? I would be using enlarge reduce to increase my size, so I feel like I have a larger chance of running into Eddie. Okay. Um, okay. Let, let's uh, let's uh, uh, figure out how both these uh, spells would function here. Um, it sounds like you have a pretty good idea of how yours would function, Eddie. Uh, please, like, enlighten me how you think uh, sanctuary would work in this uh, situation. I mean, like. Uh... Essentially, if he either wants to, like, make a hit on Eddie, he would actually need to make a wisdom saving throw first. Um, it's, uh, 
but like I kind of like I'm imagining like how Eddie would like actually try to like employ it in this particular round is that like uh, since there is still actually like a burning bookcase, it's like uh, he's actually going to see if like uh, he can like uh, goad um, uh, goad Mavet into coming toward him again, and then like in the last moment he's going to try trip him over <laughs> okay. into the burning bookcase. <laughs> okay. Um. He's taking full advantage of the fact that he's facing a tree man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, it's like, uh, or like deferring, like uh, deferring my turn until Bobette comes for me. And then like, uh, while the sanctuary is kind of like holding him off, that's the moment I take advantage of. Okay. That's how I'm envisioning how sanctuary would work in this case. Since yeah, again, well, hang no on, hang on. Uh, towards the, yeah, towards the enlarge reduce, uh, you still need to see the creature, buddy. I can see myself. Or, well, can't I? I feel self-spells. You should cast them on if you it, can feel the, yourself. Yeah, but the target isn't a self-spell. It's just a, a target that you see within range. Uh, remind me, is enlarge reduce a touch spell? Uh, it in front is of me. a creature that you see within range. Uh, the creature. Okay, so it's not a situation of like you touch it. Uh, oh, yeah, you know what? I guess it wouldn't make sense for it to be a touch spell. It's like a, if it were a touch spell, I think I would have argued in the Mobet's favor. Uh Okay, then I guess I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, towards the sanctuary, and because uh, things are a little loosey goosey with a uh, time at the moment, um, would you be all right with sanctuary uh, uh only affecting this check alone, or are you going to uh, uh like I said, like uh, I just like uh, briefly like went over and looked at it. It's like uh, yeah, if also if I because uh, if I want to get really technical, uh. You know, like a, that kind of trip would be like something close to like a shove, and that's a type of attack. And I, so I believe that break would break sanctuary regardless. Okay, we we've been going back and forth, back and forth for a while. Uh, what what's the affirmative action from uh, both sides here? Just uh, make sure I'm clear. Sorry, I just got out of the weeds. <laughs> like uh, essentially, uh, essentially Eddie is uh like a like a laying in wait with sanctuary until like uh. Uh, Mavet is caught off guard and then like uh, trying to like trip him into the burning bookcase uh, while the sanctuary has like uh, put him off his balance essentially. Okay. And uh, Mavet, are you using any resources? Uh, no, there doesn't seem to be like any I could use because I can't see myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, s- uh, settle this with the, uh, a wisdom saving throw from Mavet first. And uh, just to make this uh, perfectly clear, uh, he- <laughs> that would be failure. I, I wanted to quickly outline that it would uh, uh, it, it would re- result in a uh, automatic loss because you couldn't it, you can't attack him. You, you can't press on the assault, and he is uh, uh, taking that away from you. But you're not going to be able to press the assault, and uh, uh, he's not going to be able to do it beyond this check alone. Uh, are there any objections from your end? Any like uh. A- any arguments for your side, Mavet, before we move on? Not with the roll of the two. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm trying my best to be fair. This is uh, one of the reasons why I- I'm not particularly fond with uh, PvP. Um, but yes. Uh, Eddie, I'll consider that one a victory in your favor, but uh, just for now, because it's going to be a final victory, I would like to see other spells besides uh, a Sanctuary for this final uh, uh, couple rolls here. Don't be giving it to him yet. There can be still four victories on my side. There could be, but that I'm just gonna disallow sanctuary just 
uh, for the rest of it because it is I consider it an automatic victory with circumstances. Um, all right, my God, sorry, I'm just getting a bit of a headache here. Um, and uh, fine, uh, possibly fine. Go right ahead. I was just saying you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> no, no problems. Possibly the final roll here. Any more uh, resource consumption? I'll use my visage of astral self to spend a key point. No, nothing that will benefit me, just flavor. <laughs> okay, I, I like it. You know what? I'll give you a plus one. It was how many key points is that? It's uh, one key point. Yeah, I'll give you a plus one onto your roll. How does that sound? So I have a minus four. Yeah, somehow, some way, it's working for you. <laughs> Eddie, anything else you're adding to your roll? Um, for Eddie, no. Okay. Okay. Um, be- before we even go on with this roll, uh, uh, one more uh, play-by-play. Uh, Eddie, you explain uh, how does sanctuary flavored and uh, it explained uh, how you're kicking Mavet. It's just like uh, how I'm imagining sanctuary works in this context is that like uh, like. Uh, like as Mavet is actually trying to like basically use all four of his arms to try to like a like a come and take Eddie. It's like there's actually like four smoky fists that come to like block one, block another one, block another one, block another one, and they all start like pressing down onto the fists. It's like uh, and then that's when like uh, like uh, when Eddie is able to like uh, take advantage of the moment and actually like run over and like uh, kick Mavet down into the ground into the burning bookcase. Mm-hmm. All right, and Mavet, uh, h- how? What is your counter with this? Like, how are you reacting to all this? So as Eddie trips me into the burning bookshelf, I lay there laughing on the ground, <laughs> and I use my astral arms to essentially pick myself back up and get ready to go back to knocking him out. And Eddie, as you uh, fight Mavet, and as this uh, uh, combat is close, uh, getting closer to its end, you look at Mavet, and it doesn't look like broken bark, but broken glass on the ground. You see it shimmering from the fire, like he is a construct of glass. All right, boys. Uh, like I said before, resource consumption. It sounded like no one's. Uh, uh, you, uh, Mavet, you used uh, your visage to get a plus one. Uh, Eddie. Anything you're using? Like, uh, nothing that I'm adding, no. Okay. Final roll. Minus four to your roll, Mavet, and uh, plus five to Eddie's roll. Potentially last roll. Potentially last roll. See how it works. You have inspiration. Oh, fuck. Uh, you're not going to beat that. That's a natural 20. Um, uh, this time, I kind of want to... Uh, um, Mavet, you have uh, the quill to your own fate. We, we can hear final moments exactly how it goes down. But Eddie, what's the final assault from you? Without going too much in detail of the last moments of uh, Mavet or, you know. It's like, yeah. And I think like because of the uh, because of the the setup from like the previous rounds, like uh, Eddie is actually going to tackle Mavet until he is pressing his body up against the the, bur- the burning bookcase. And just like, you know, like trying his best to hold him there. And even some like the smoke around them starting to like bear its weight down onto Mavet's body in the process. Trying to like, in fact, I would probably go venture to say like uh, uh, that it would be like a especially like firmly pressed on uh, Mavet's throat. Oh, God. Uh, Mavet, uh, please. How do you die? 
You want it crazy, right? Yeah, make it crazy. Is this what you wanted? <laughs> Are you happy? You kill everyone, huh? <laughs> As Mavet is using his glass um, astral arms, you see him laughing maniacally as he's punching himself in the face over and over again. This is what you wanted. And they start to shatter and shatter. And eventually all the glass shatters. And as you see, once the glass shatters, smoke starts to be coming from the glass as it you know, attempts to hit Mavet in the face as he's, his laughter begins to die down. And then the smoke slowly dissipates into the fog cloud, becoming one with Eddie again. And as he slowly <laughs> lets out his laughs, laugh, he looks there, smiling where he believes Eddie's eyes are. It's like, and then Eddie will respond, no, I'm not happy. And I have to live with that. Okay. Uh, 250 XP to the, uh, the both of you. Jot that down. All right. So, Brilulia, you heard a lot of uh, cartoon effect sounds going on in the southern part of the library. <laughs> yeah, I, I do apologize. She's just trying to track the sound, <laughs> trying to follow where she hears everything. There's a lot of commotion. She can't see shit. But she's trying to make out where the noise is coming from. Like uh, Eventually, like the smoke would start to clear until all that's left in the southern part of the library is uh, uh, Eddie standing over a pile of like broken and melted glass burning over a uh, still burning bookcase. But I, I'm dying, uh, Aluya. Like, give me a little bit of RP here. Like, uh, I'm a bit starved for Aluya content. <laughs> I need more Aluya content. I'm struggling myself with the, this computer. Um, I think after the aftermath of everything and still her feeling bad about Seer and understanding what Eddie might be feeling and knowing that there was something wrong with Mavet, um she'll approach Eddie. Are, are you sure it's there's nothing in the back of your head that's not telling you you might be next? No. I mean, if he wanted to, he would have done it already. Like, point blank. <laughs> like, make no, no joke. She knows the threat that he can be. She ain't trying to be on a shit list. Uh, but yeah, we'll approach him. Eddie, if you don't mind getting shocked a little, could I hug you? There's no time for that right now. There is always time for a hug. Come in. Come close. Let us take in this moment and the events together. I don't want to hug until I see them again. You think we will? So it's at this moment that uh, that Eddie uh, like starts making a connection with, uh, with Owen. Hey, Owen? Oh, yes, Eddie. What is it? And did you break connection with Seer and Mavet? Hmm. Yes. That would be around... Yes. About a half an hour ago. Mm, nope. Sorry, Eddie. Something happened. Oh. Hmm. And you feel the connection sever. Isn't like uh, Owen stopped speaking? Yeah, he stops speaking. You, you still have a connection. It's just he's, he stops speaking. The line is closed for now. He, something caught his attention. Hallelujah. Yes? You remember where we were half an hour ago? Uh, yes, we were in the scrying place, the scrying pool. We need to go there right now. Okay. 
I need to uh, ask the party, uh, which route do you take? Do you go south or north? Eddie, because he hasn't seen it yet, uh, like uh, he's immediately going to start going north to see what his options are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just to expedite things uh, further, if you go uh, the northern route, it would uh, bring you the same way to uh, the shrine and where you met the uh, uh, Rat King, uh, Marvin. Um, if you go south, that would bring you towards uh, the greenhouse room, where uh, the only way through is uh, through that throne room. Well, that's not happening, so we're obviously going north. Uh- All right, you guys uh, come to uh, the room filled with armor suits after uh, going through uh, uh, the tunnel, the cave. You're, you're back uh, where you guys uh, started oh so long ago. Uh, the ruins of uh, the statues are still on the ground. Like Eddie just continues storming past them. I guess yeah, we have no choice but to go this way. Uh. Yeah, I was gonna say like if you try to interact with the door to the south, uh, it feels like there's a wall in the way. Uh, like Eddie goes over, remembering what remembering what needs to be uh, done. Uh, uh, I think he would. Uh, uh, what would he leave? <laughs> Things considered. Uh, as well as Luya, are you gonna be making a sacrifice? Oh yeah, for sure, because that's what we have to do every time we come across this thing, right? Uh, what would you like to sacrifice? You know what? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to prick my finger and drop some bloodlets into it, but I'm going to charge it with my electricity. Okay, R- roll me 1d12. Uh, Eddie, what are you What are you going to sacrifice? Possibly out of respect for the, the last two people that he had to take care of. Uh, he's actually going to like uh, give it water. Aluya. You take uh, 11 points of damage. Uh, there's no way to uh, reduce it, uh, regardless of uh, features or spells. It's just 11 solid damage as your vitality is sapped from you. And as uh, blue transparent hands uh, uh, sink your droplets of blood into uh, the uh, blossoming flower of a stargazer, uh, in return, you see that uh, 11 gold coins is presented to you. Um, Eddie. You are sacrificing water? Yeah, he has water in a water skin, so... You put in the water. Um, out of curiosity, uh, is this all of the water that you have on you? Uh, yeah, he would empty the water skin into it. There you go. Perfect. So you empty out the water into the basin, and it seems like there is a bit of confusion with the hands. Not sure how to take the offering. Then you see, like, uh, invisible, like, hands uh, uh, basically searching your body, doing a cavity search. And once it is satisfied that this isn't something you have in abundance, it turns to steam. And uh, I'm going to say that you get uh, one gold coin back. Yeah, he takes the gold coin and, like, uh, goes down the path again with as a man on a mission. Okay. Aluya, you following? Yes. You follow suit. Move your token quick. Yeah, Eddie is fast to get out of this room, and Nita begin or Aluya begins to leave, and as you guys make it down, I think the camera lingers on uh, uh, Peckins as he tilts his head left and right, then we fade to black. We focus on you two. As you begin to make your way, you're going down the hallway. You find the uh, four-way junction with bloody footsteps leading to uh, the greenhouse as you are on the other side. And you make your way down the hallway, down the stairs, until we see the secret room 
the scrying pool. Okay. All right. So, with uh, as you guys enter this room, you see two obsidian mirrors with silver trimming. I need to ask, as you come into this room, do you look at the mirrors? No, for me, uh, I'm still I'm not seeing the scrying pool and remembering everything I saw. I kind of fixate on that a little bit. Like, uh, when Eddie was first in here, were these mirrors already in here? Or Yes. And if you uh, recall, uh, the very first thing uh, Seer did when she came in here was investigating the mirrors. But you quickly uh, left after the argument that Mavet started with shrinking from the pool. And Aluya would be able to know that Mavet, after she began to uh, invest in the uh, scrying pool, also examined the other mirror. I believe Mavet looked at the mirrors, or, but he also drank from the water, so I don't know which one had an effect on him. Those last two things, they were made of glass. So it very well could be the mirrors. Like, uh... I need you to stand by in case something bad happens. And when I say stand by, I mean stand next to me. Okay. So Eddie's going to, now like I moved to this part of the room, and uh, he's actually going to take a short sword, and he's going to poke one of the mirrors. Oh, okay. You're going to poke, like, define a poke. Are you scratching it? Are you attacking it? He is scratching it in case, uh... Basically, he's trying to figure out if this is something solid or if this is something that, like, uh, winds up getting liquidy. <laughs> okay. So, uh, east or west? Uh, we'll do east. Okay. To the east. Eddie, as you begin to poke, you feel as if it is solid. Um, Mavet. What is the worst pain Mavet's ever been in? What sound would he make as a, uh, a tortured soul of sorts? The same sound that happened when he trans his old self transformed into the uh, beast. Let me hear it. Oh shit! I'm in the line at cookout. Okay, one sec. <laughs> Devotion to D and D. Go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we made an ass out of Rakuzen. Um, Eddie, what's your next course of action? Seems like this causes physical pain to a person within the mirror. Eddie is going to now. Uh, take his hand and he's going to reach into the mirror to see if maybe his hand will go through it. Mm, okay. No step, bro. That's my twig. Oh my god, I love how you're saying that and you're still in the line. So uh, you're, you're attempting to reach within the mirror. Um, and that's why Aluya's next to him in case something bad happens. <laughs> yeah. What's the best way of putting this? Um, I think the only thing I can say is it feels uh, very... Uh, um, it feels full. I think that's the issue. And I, I don't have a good comparison of what it would be like to be like too full, uh, especially with a substance like this. But regardless to say, there's just no cavity. There is no entry for you. It just seems like there is no room for your hand to go in. But it feels weird. It's not exactly glass, but it's definitely not a liquid. How big are these mirrors? Um, I believe last time I said they're about eight feet. If not, they're retconned as eight feet now. They look heavy. Extremely so. Lilia, I need you to help me tip this. But tip the mirror over? Yes, but without breaking it. She, che- she checks out her swole arms now. 
I think I could do it. So your your plans are to tip it over and break it? Is that, uh, am I understanding that correctly? First, without breaking it, just to see if, basically, if he can't go through it, but it's full, he's going to see what happens if he tips it over and see if it tries to empty. And just to clarify, uh, mirror side going flat on the ground, or are you pushing the mirror on its, okay. Like a mirror side being moved toward the ground. Yes. Okay, I got it. Um, but there's no need for a check. Like, you guys could keep attempting this, attempting this, and uh, time isn't of an issue right now. But I will say, like, a good 15, 20 minutes pass. So uh, j- just to clarify uh, uh, time at the moment, uh, the last time you guys had a long rest was pretty fucking late. You guys started up in the uh, mid to late afternoon. And after everything that trans- uh, transpired, especially negotiations with uh, both uh, Yorgu and Marvin... It is uh, getting towards like uh, the mid evening, getting close to night once more. Um, that aside, I just want to make sure that I say it out loud at some point during the session. Uh, the mirror is coming down, and we see Mavet being pushed against the uh, glass. Like the the weight, the gravity is affecting him, but his face is being smushed against. Uh, uh, the mirror scratching it up. Both of his hands are uh, on t- uh, touching the mirror. His uh, belly is flat with it. It doesn't seem it's sending him through, but it does seem like gravity and motion does affect him. Eddie's going to try like uh, one more time before he's going to attempt something that's like riskier. But uh, okay, uh, trying to like talk to Owen one more time. Owen, I could really none at all. No, nope. got it. Yep, none at all. It. It seem you hear static on the end. It sounds like something extreme popped up that requires the attention of a huge ass motherfucking brain. All right, in which case, uh, uh, Eddie is going to like a like it basically like he he looks smushed up against against the glass like and like there's like just no give at all. <laughs> Do you think if I dispel the magic in the mirror, it would help or it would make it the worse? Yes, like that's one thing to try. Don't want to risk breaking it. Uh, I don't want to break it. I just want to dispel. Nothing more. I just don't know if dispelling it would be really bad either way. I think I'd sooner try to dispel it than try to break it first. All right, I will give it a try. Uh, which one should we start with? He's going to point to now the uh, the western mirror of table, giving uh, Mavet time to like uh, get out of the line. She's going to rub her hands together and you're going to see like faint little sparks come out and just gently touch the mirror and it's going to just get like encased in like this uh, sheer coating and it's just going to fade away. Just in case, just in case I'm also guidancing her on this role. Okay. With guidance, uh, make me the ability check using your spellcasting ability. Okay. Make sure to add that one d four. Just to check, right? Is a if you, if it's from your if you yeah you give a charisma check. The spell casting modifier, yeah, uh, which uh, should be uh, wisdom, right? Uh, no, it's like her dispel magic's coming from sorcerer. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You have any spare sorcery points? Yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. Might be a good time. I have. Uh, I think it was three left. Like a uh, fun fact, in case you didn't know. Uh, uh, since this is an ability check, you can actually like uh, spend a sorcery point to 
roll an ability check? Then I'm going to do that then. Hmm. Uh, just uh, for, for my reference, is that, again, optional rule or is that like a, one of the features from Sorcerer? It's, it's a, it is a Tasha's rule, like uh, for Sorcerers, uh, beginning at level five, Sorcerer. Awesome. Awesome to know. Um, so it's one sorcery point to re-roll and build you check. Uh, one D4. Yep. Uh, what's the total there? Uh, 17. Uh, any other kind of bullshit before I go on? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, if, I don't know what the DC is for this is. So uh, I'm going to use up the I've been holding on to for a very long time <laughs> and add it to her. Yeah, uh, inspiration. Did you say the inspiration or the D6? Uh, the D6. Okay. Um, that should be enough. Let's see that roll. You can roll the d6. Yeah. Right ahead. You have the honors. God damn it. Jesus. Here, here's the thing. You got a 17. The DC was 18. So that plus one makes a success. I want to, uh, flavor up the spell on how you're touching the mirror. Like I said, um, she kind of focuses on herself. She rubs her hands together. Some static comes out. She gently touches the mirror and it's like coated in like this sheer wall going across the whole thing and it slowly dissipates from top to bottom. Mm. Okay. And I want to imagine like at the moment you touch uh, the black mirror, the black surface that we see like a white, no, actually a pink, salmon pink spiderweb fracture that starts from your uh, touch of your fingertip. And gradually, like, I mean, within like a half second, expands once, then expands again until we see the shatter as it's like, uh, 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 what the hell's the name of uh, the closet from that one famous uh, 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 series? Uh, fuck, what the hell? Closet from that one famous the... series. Yeah, the fucking lion. The, the lion. What the, what the fuck's the name of the lion, closet? Lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, Narnia. The... Yeah, Narnia. It's like the opening to Narnia. Thank you. Fuck. I wanted to say Nirvana. That's what I was start, uh, stuck on. So, like, the opening to uh, Narnia, like, it, it's this flat mirror that has a cavity within it and sear, much like uh, being frozen within the statue. You are released, and you remember nothing from the point of being in this room to where you were killed but i will say resources wise you have half health from uh that absolute ass beating from eddie and all the resources you used during that combat were used so keep that in mind but it took a fucking toll on you that includes the items as well all right that means i can delete stuff now yep yeah imagine it like uh the reflection was using you as its uh, a video game inventory. Fair enough. Yeah, but uh, describe how you look, how uh, you come out. Let me let me hear this. Let's see. Well, we are playing with liquids and stuff nearby, so I just want to imagine as the smear breaks, it's just kind of like a giant, vast amount of like water just spills out from the smear as basically Seer tumbles out. They don't have hair. So it's basically like a bald genasi. And very much it's just like coughing. They look drenched as if they are just like in a pool of water. And very much it's like they, even though it felt like an instant where they forgot everything, they very much just don't remember anything going on. So they're they're just confused. 
And they're currently prone on the ground, just like stuttering, trying to just get air in. So very much you see a wet genasi. A wet genasi. Aluya well, seeing that it it somehow worked and sears on the ground. She's like beaming from ear to ear. She doesn't care. She's gonna go to see her and hug her. And then she's gonna motion for Eddie to come in. That's one, Eddie. <laughs> Don't need my vet. Okay, but you're gonna come in here. You're gonna get some of this. <laughs> she's gonna exhale. Whew. Really well. And she's gonna try again. You know the DC? DC 18. Guidance again. If there's anything you guys can do, now is the time. Automatic success, bitch. Yep. <laughs> I I want to see the assistance. What does your guidance look like, especially with the absence of uh, Eddie at the moment? Like, uh, what does this look like? Uh, honestly, like in both cases, I think actually how Eddie is assisting is that he is putting his hand over um, over Aluya. Is actually trying to like uniquely like a uh, bolster the the effect of this spell by accessing his connection to both of these people. <laughs> Hell yeah. Essentially trying to like break through the magic through like the sheer like uh, uh, strength of his bond with them. Okay. Mavet, um, although you can't respond, you're still going to keep this down and in your head. Uh, half health, same as uh, with uh, uh, good old Seer, and any, uh, any resources that you consumed are consumed. But again... Spiderweb fracture from Aluya. Each uh, each half second, we see like a giant impact from the gentlest of touches, and a cavity opens up to that famous wardrobe from that series that no one cares about. And both of these people are freed. Congratulations, uh, everyone! Give yourselves a hundred fifty exp each. That was excellent role play. That was excellent side tangent. I'm coming out. Yeah, I above table. Bro. This is why I wasn't that concerned about what would happen to your character at the earlier. Yeah, that's why I figured out uh, figured as much the moment I told you that it was a uh, that uh, seer died. Yeah, I, I literally thought I was I was dead dead because I misunderstood what happened. That's perfectly fine. That's why I didn't correct you. Seer's death would have made uh, made Eddie suspicious, but his lack of connection to Malvet cemented it. Aluya's now in between them both on the ground. She's looking at Eddie. <sighs> Come on. It's happened. <laughs> you know what we're going to do now. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. Shh, gentle hot angel. Shh. <laughs> like, like, I guess, like, it would be really confusing for, uh, for Seer and uh, Mavet, but just, like, Eddie kind of, like, looks little more like a, a bit irritated but he sighs and just says fine <laughs> oh you guys are all so snuggly and oh Eddie you smell so good oh nuzzles that is incredibly incorrect he smells of ash and blood my vet and Alessir smell like absolute shit being inside of this you don't know what smells good to her maybe she likes ash and shit and blood you know what? You're right. It's like that episode of Futurama where like uh, that woman loves to smell garbage instead of flowers. So just so everybody's heard that incorrectly, uh, it's like uh, Aluya loves the smell of ass, shit, and blood. Yes, it is factually correct. 
I gotta hold back a joke. This joke is really like awful, but oh my god, I'll I'll say it next time later. Um, before we forget, so Mega, I'm doing the painful process. I deleted everything. But let's go through the things. I used potion and vulnerability, a potion of speed, yep. a potion of flying, yep. a mm-hmm. spell of confusion. Anything else? I burned Mega. I burned two healing potions. Um. Uh. uh. I think that's the extent of it. All right, then. I think everything else. I think everything else you drank from your class resources. Yep. Very much. Then Seer is out of spell slots, lost invaluable items that they'll never probably get again unless they make them, and very much they just look horrible. Yep. Okay. Uh, let me. Uh, just for a good five minutes, let me hear a little bit of RP that everyone's together. Everything is uh, over then I got something to uh, end this session on. Has, does Aluya eventually let go of everybody? <laughs> Sorry, I was typing. Yes, she lets go. But she's very happy. Yeah. She's beaming. Do you mind if you explained what in the Nine Hells happened? Uh, this isn't going to make any sense, but I killed both of you. That's his... Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Points to Seer. It's like a... You tried to uh, burn Aluya alive, then points to Mavet, and you were just being an asshole. Well, if I did anything wrong, I apologize. Sadly, I really don't remember anything. In fact, kind of makes me a little bit annoyed that I don't know what transpired. Although, that's not the worst of things. Kind of like you'll see the bag, and you'll see the possibly all the things they use are, like, just sadly empty bottles. So, lots of resources gone as well. It's as if I took a nap, woke up, and everything still got stolen. Uh, you definitely drank them all. Yeah, but, you know, we have you both back, so... Yay! I mean, better than dead. Um, is that the only thing that occurred? When? How much time has passed since we both were entrapped? I think it's, like, almost evening. I thought we were just an evening. Tactically, it's been a whole day. If it's back to night again, it's basically been 24 hours. Uh, well, keep in mind, you took a late rest. It was like a, a very like early mid-morning when you guys uh, took your long rest. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, that that's where it got a little uh, funky. No, that doesn't make sense. Well, that doesn't make too much sense. That means that's straight up 12 hours then. We took a long rest, and then we were exploring, and then it kind of moved through time. So at about 12 hours then. Yeah, because it happened between, uh, uh, I would say, like closer to 5 a.m. in the morning. You guys uh, took a, a long rest. I don't believe anyone took watch, so it should have been just uh, eight hours. Um, yep, so that would have been five, six, seven. <laughs> yep, so that would have been about uh, three, uh, three o'clock uh, after that. Oh, sorry, one o'clock. Yeah, 5 a.m. Uh, one o'clock and uh, through uh, negotiations like I- I'm gonna say like a-, a lot of this transpired within uh, three hours so yes uh, you know what I am uh, overcharging you guys I would say that it is uh, mid-afternoon so I'll-, I'll settle for yes like uh, I- I'll-, I'll settle for about like five o'clock five o'clock steady and that's with just me being uh, 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 not clear since uh, you guys are in a dungeon Eddie will say, instead, like, late afternoon, I think. Although, Zeka, I guess you wouldn't remember the last half hour, hour. 
No, I sadly. I don't know how long it takes to get here. Very much when we walked into this room and I looked upon these things. Now I wake up wet. Um, yeah, just, just to clarify uh, one more thing, uh, traversing in the dungeon. It is not a one-to-one uh, ratio when going to each quadrant. Like, if we were to separate this dungeon into four different sections, it is miles long. So we can attribute that to uh, the time dilation here. As my question says, what else transpired? Did they say anything? Did you notice any strange things? Things I should be aware of? Because the reason why I mention is that if you were fooled by it, it means then it retained, well, all my mental faculties and memories. So... I don't know, it extends the powers. Maybe it memorized something that I don't, or maybe made up things. I don't know. There was a thing with Eddie and uh, a woman, and you, I don't know the details. Uh, You did not really want me to go in the room, so I kind of stayed out a little bit, but I came in, but I don't know. Another version of you got charmed by a succubus. Hmm, wait, what? It's not important right now. The important part is that we know where the body is, but the Tarasque skeleton, but like, we need to get permission first before we can actually get to it if we don't want to risk our lives. Just to really like outline this so it's not forgotten, uh, at, uh, the two objectives here is uh, entry, whether through force or through blessing, to get into uh, the Grave of Ill Omens. And most importantly, if you guys want to spare an innocent woman's life, you need to snatch your dream away. That is the very last thing on your little docket. You have all the other ingredients. Uh, again, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you could kill her, you could save her. It is up to the party, but saving her requires one more step. Hmm. Yeah, we could chat about this, but I'm a little concerned about something. I wish I could ask more questions, but uh, I will trust your judgment more. Um, it's just like I was talking with Owen before and I got caught off suddenly and I'm wondering if maybe something happened. And I feel like at that moment everyone gets a headache as you guys feel a forceful connection. The pool. Check the pool. Uh, around the dungeon. Uh, everywhere around this area. Today. And again, it's sounding like static. Like there's a bit of interference. You're going to see Seer stand up and be like... I'm guessing we don't have time to really speak. Strange favor. Looks to Eddie. Do you got a light? Uh, Eddie will take his hand on top of, like, uh, Seer's head and light it on fire with precipitation. <laughs> it doesn't pop off, like, the big booming hair they have. It's more like a short, very much pixie-cut kind of look right now. And they're like, appreciate it. It'll come back in maybe a few hours. Um... No, Owen said to check the check the pool everywhere today. Looks to Leah and goes like, I can do it, although I'm a bit spent for apparently no reason in my brain. Would you like me to do it or would you? And just to keep in mind, if I wasn't clear, everyone heard that. That wasn't just uh, Mega. That, that was a full-on uh, plea to everyone. Yeah, Eddie was underlining it, just like, uh, hey, we're... <laughs> oh, I'm aware. That's why I'm just... Asking, does Aaliyah want to go into the pool, or should it be me? I think he's suggesting that everybody look. What's gonna work? Teamwork. I'll, I'll look with everybody. Yeah, because like I mentioned before, you have a certain radius and a uh, time frame to work with when you're viewing this alone. But as you guys work together, you guys can 
get a bigger and more full story. If everyone does it, I need everyone to make me, I believe last time I had it as a, God, I don't want to dig through it again. Um, It is a DC-18, and I believe it was intelligence for, yeah, because I attributed it to history. Um, Make me intelligence saving throw, DC-18. Uh, irregardless, everyone roll me at 1d12. That is the psychic damage you take. If you succeed, you take half of it. Oh, uh, 1d10, sorry. I, I believe it was 1d10. Someone will have to roll for me. That's perfectly fine. I can roll for you. Okay, bam. Uh, failure, 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 uh, success. Uh, everyone rolled their own die, uh, 1d10. Everyone takes full damage except for uh, Seer. You take half. What's my number so I can keep track? Uh, I'm fairly certain half of uh, 75 should be uh, 32. Round it down. And after that, I got it for you. Uh, it'd be 6. That'd be uh, 2. 26. Okay. You have uh, 26, buddy. Okay. I uh, wrote it down on your sheet. Everyone uh, take your damage. Look at that math. 4, 6, 8. It was a 1d10, not 1d12, but the math still checks out for you, Luya. Oh, my God. Four, six, eight, ten. Uh, if, if you wanted to go with the D10, go right ahead. But yes, you all uh, crowd around the pool. You are looking within it. There is a turmoil, a, uh, a an eddy, essentially, a vortex within this uh, silver pool. And as you're going in, you see a replay of today, 24 hours from now. And as you play along the day, all of you act like uh, beacons in different areas, covering different parts of uh, the forest, the dungeon, the the wizard's tower, the fort. You guys are uh, keeping track of it all. And this is what you piece together. And since everyone decided to uh, come in, I'm going to give you a little extra at the end. First of all, let's set the scene. We have an establish, uh, establishing uh, shot at uh, Fort Keppa. That's where uh, you guys went to and uh, essentially got into this uh, dungeon through. That's where you found your little entrance. We see the establishing shot of this uh, uh, keep standing tall with its uh, gates slowly beginning to rise. That's where we focus on. Metal chains retracting, the gates rising, and we hear uh, the putter and the growl of a mechanical machine beginning to move. We see it blowing out smoke, much like a dragon. And within it, we see a hodgepodge of goblins, no longer just a... No longer regular goblins, as most of them were murdered. (laughs) We see, like, little fire goblins, little water goblins, earth goblins, like, all these little critters. uh, All these elements working together to move this monument forward as this crab-like machinery begins to step forward, breaking tree branches, trunks, uh, creating a small... uh, Uh, depressions in the ground with each step and leading the uh, charge on a uh, a very very large war horse we see gungra the war uh, war chief as he points a finger forward and we see out in the distance the wizard tower 
and we see time begin to move forward, move forward again and again. And this time, uh, our shot is an interior shot with a high ceiling. We see a singular bed, a spiral uh, staircase, along with uh, various bookshelves. And near a writing desk is a person cloaked in black. We see his hands begin to move, and we see the flicker of light that we can only assume comes from a lamp or a candle. But as we come closer, the camera swivels. We see that there's no candle, no lamp, no light source, as we see the light emanating from his hand. Zoom in close, and we see almost like magma veins, an orange and red skin glowing as the quill begins to write and write almost scale like skin and we hear the person repeating over and over again oh where is that dumb bird i told him take care of them take care of them and come back to me and he keeps me waiting and waiting and waiting and he begins to crumple up the paper and it burns in his hand <sighs> Oh, I'll just remind him who's in charge. And ash begins to flutter from his hand. So close, so close. If I could just make it past that damnable dryad. And his hand covers eye and forehead, and we see the face of a dragonborn. Standing up, I think he just mumbles to himself. Just one more push. One more push and we can get in there. I can finally, yes, I can show them all how great I am. We see him uh, pacing around the room, uh, just uh, uh, lost in visions of grandeur. Grandeur, as he is just saying, they'll all know me. <laughs> I'll change everything. <laughs> and... As he uh, stops and looks out a soul window, I think he mumbles something to the effect of, change the world. And all of a sudden, we see the camera shake. We see rubble explode. We see a large javelin piercing through the cobblestone. And then another one and another one. As the man begins to freak out, we see, yes, giant, heavy balls of iron begin to make the stone explode from inside the wizard tower. Through the opening, we see a goblin king raising up his hand, roaring as a charge to destroy this tower and destroy this man for tricking him. We see these goblins begin to run up the stairs of the wizard tower. We see this mechanical machine shooting out projectiles from it. And we finally, we see the wizard, the right-hand man of Gungra, begin to cast a spell. And we see fire flicker from his hands as if... It might be a fireball, perhaps another destructive spell. The man begins to panic. He begins to run down the stairs for safety. 
And as he begins to run down, little goblins, little goblin genasi begin to uh, block his way. He pushes them aside, and they begin to fall to their death. One begins to stab at his leg, and he develops a limp as he begins to rush through, rush through, rush through. And finally, we see him on the base level. It looks like it goes downward, as if to a secret dungeon. We, the camera goes past this man, follows down the stairs, and we see that it leads to the greenhouse where the guardian stands before the grave of ill omens. To the man's back, he has an army ready to burn him. To his front, there is a monstrosity that will not let him pass. He begins to hyperventilate. This, I need help. I, I, I just need, I need time. Damn it, I need time. And he just begins to curse out. He looks through his spells, tries to think of something, anything to save him. And we see Gungra walking up to the man, great sword in hand. And he growls at him. Firebird, you thought you were smart. You thought you could trick Gungra. Think again. And he raises up the greatsword. The dragonborn eyes widen. And then we see him cast a spell. And under his breath, he says, Gods, I hope this works. The greatsword comes down. It slashes into empty space. And bites into the stone. Man is nowhere to be seen. The Genasi, gone. Perhaps invisible. Or perhaps somewhere else. We see the Necromancer, Firebird, Phoenix, blinking a couple times. It's a close-up of his face. And we see a gentle wind moving his clothes. He stands up, looks past the verdant trees, the blossoming, blossoming flowers, his gaze follows up a grove, a hill, and on top of this hill, laying, desecrated, decapitated, is a large monstrosity, a magic sigil acting as its blood, glowing red, glowing the creature. It's the body of a Trask looking around. There's, is that daylight? No, it can't be daylight. Look up towards the sky. All there is is a ceiling. Looks around. There's trees, waters, river, but the prize is in sight. Starts to give out a, a maniac laugh, or a laugh from a maniac. Can't believe it. It worked. It worked. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He begins to stride forward as we now have a time limit. That will be the end of the session. Thank you for joining us. This has been House Common Blood. The intro and outro music is Oh My Dog by Savick, and any other music and sound effects used in the episode are royalty-free. Credits can be found in the episode description. Please review us on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be using, and if you like us, tell other people. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. Thank you for joining us. Hope to see you soon.